Welcome to the Church Times podcast. In last week's paper, Madeline Davies reported on her visit to Norfolk with the Archbishop of Canterbury. This week, we run Madeline's interview with the Archbishop, conducted in Blakeney, his childhood escape. The Archbishop speaks candidly, among other things, about why he draws on his difficult family history in his public ministry, whether he would like to have been an MP, and why he loves to mess around on boats. Elsewhere in this week's Church Times, Hattie Williams reports from Kenya on CMS projects that are changing lives. Natalie Collins writes on how churches can support the UN's International Day for the Elimination of Violence Against Women. And the Bishop of Leeds, Nick Baines, tells us what should happen next with Brexit. We also have all the latest church jobs in our print edition and at jobs.churchtimes.co.uk. If you don't subscribe to the Church Times, get 10 issues for £10. Go to churchtimes.co.uk slash subscribe. So is it quite strange to be back in, in Blakeney? What does it feel like to be, sort of, to be here? It's strange, it's frustrating in the <laughs> sense that I've met, to my surprise, this morning 30 or 40 people who've come along, who I've known, or who knew me in my childhood, or I've known since my childhood, or knew my grandmother. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, you could, I could have spent a long time with each of them, and of course the, one has to go and do other things. Yeah. And but it's been wonderful. I mean, it's yeah. most extraordinary thing to see. I never sat up here, and I've never been in the club. <laughs> but um, to sit down there and see this church absolutely vibrant, and to know they do this every month, and they do a lunch as well, and everyone was saying what a difference it makes and how it's built the community. Yeah. And there's a real sense of uh, life here. Yeah. And is, are your memories of being a child here sort of quite happy ones? Very happy ones. Yeah. It was normality here. Yeah. Um, I mean, it wasn't that much time I was here. It was a school holidays, you know, for a few weeks. Yeah. So it's obviously probably, well, well under half the year, but it was... Uh, a place which felt and still feels uh, London's home always yeah. we are Londoners but this felt this just has really good memories I feel very relaxed and more normal here <laughs> and I I was talking to your um, auntie about sailing she and <laughs> called my auntie I'll say aunt okay and you seemed really in your element yesterday at sea. Yes. So, um, unlike so, uh, me. The Archbishop is all at sea. <laughs> yeah. um, so I wonder if you could say a bit about, I guess, your love for the sea and, and what it feels like to be on the waves, I guess. And, cause it just seemed a really like, fascinating question. You just seemed so happy and at home there, I think. Gosh, is that all? Yes. <laughs> I am. I am anything. Uh, you know, I'm sort of like what's it, Ratty in um, um, oh, the t- Wind in the Willows. Yeah. Ratty, who says there's absolutely you'd have to find the exact quote. Yeah. Something like there's absolutely nothing um, quite like messing about in boats. Yeah. I mean, it. It was. I discovered quite quickly. It was something I really enjoyed. Um, that was challenging but manageable and that I could do competently. I would never say I was a good sailor, but I could do competently. Mm. And I felt at home in a boat. Yeah. And it was, and to this day, if I go out sailing, 
I feel, or even yesterday on the on the case boat, I um, everything else disappears. Now, why is that? I I think it's just the focus. It's the beauty. It's the air. It's being particularly sailing where there's no noise, yeah. apart from the wind and the waves, and it's just you with the elements, and it's and the beauty around you is so absolutely terrific. Yeah. Uh, particularly out here on in Blakeney Harbour or the outer harbour, just beyond the point. Yeah. Um, to sail out there and watch the birds diving and the seals swimming and the light playing on the waves and on the point and look up at the shore. I mean, I could go on yeah. the boat. <laughs> um, and something that I guess has come up on the tour is sort of biblical allusions to the sea and sailing yeah. and also this kind of idea of the sea also being dangerous and yeah. Peter walking well, out I and being, being afraid. How do you kind of relate I guess your love of the sea and also it's the bravery that you need to encounter it to your faith and fear and... Oh, I, God, these are really Sorry. profound questions. That's, I'm going to have to think really hard. Um, I think that thing I'm is trying to out think, I'm water. thinking aloud at the moment, so sure. I'm not doing very well. But it's, you're exactly right. One of my memories of sailing is, my cousin tells me I was the one who would go out in rough weather when right. other people weren't going out. I don't remember that. I, yeah. I was as nervous as anyone. But when you were taking the boat out, you got the sails up, you were about to push off, and the sails were flapping, and the, the, the sheets, that's the ropes, were flicking around with the sails flapping, and the wind was, and the boat was just pushing around, and you'd go off, and suddenly the, you'd be moving forward. Yeah. And, but the nerves that went with a strong wind, I remember to this day. And the recognition that the line between just having a really exciting time and something going seriously wrong yeah. in rough weather is always quite a fine line. Yeah. So that takes us, I thought Bishop Graham last night did a superb presentation at, at uh, Yarmouth, uh, at, yeah. at Yarmouth Minster just before we had the interview, linking the life of faith to the sea. Mm. And that, that sense of fear that the disciples had yeah. when they were in the storm, when Jesus was in the boat, or when they were in the rough weather and Jesus came to them walking on the water, anyone can relate to that fear that sense of waves of a power that is greater than you which yeah. you can do nothing about yeah. and that the response in when that happens in life and all of us would have experienced that the response has to be a turning to Jesus and trusting oneself into his hands yeah. and that rebuke which is so striking oh you have little faith yeah why did you fear? Um, now, often at sea, the sailors, I mean, the, the fishermen, the disciples, I think, would have said, why do you think we, you know, I'd be thinking, why do you think we feared <laughs> something great storm? Yeah. You know, we haven't got life jackets on. I haven't been invented for another 2,000 years. <laughs>
Um, I've noticed that you're um, quite happy to share a bit of your kind of family history in public and also when you're preaching. And is that something which you've always done as a priest or something yes. that you've... And do you feel that's important? Because I always think that's very striking in how open you are about talking about difficult things that have happened and you're not very private in that sense. I think you're quite generous with saying things have happened to my family and... Well, a lot of them are public anyway. Um, thanks to you, kind ladies and gentlemen of the press. And a lot of them are public anyway. And I think, I mean, you can overshare, and that's always a danger. Um, one has to be careful. But I think, particularly in quite a secular age, where the tradition of being an archbishop is you know, it's so grand and there's all this stuff around it. The, the job is to reach out to those around us with the good news of Jesus. And they've got to know it's a human being reaching to them uh, with the good news of Jesus. And that the good news of Jesus is good news in bad times and in good times, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. And so personal testimony, it's also very much part of the evangelical tradition yeah. from which I come, of personal testimony. Yeah. And, and you shouldn't overdo it, you know, some people never stop talking about themselves, but it does seem to me that the capacity of people to think, yes, if that can happen to him, it can happen to me, yeah. is probably less usefully helped about from stories about when you met the Prime Minister than it is about mm. when there was a mess up in your family, if you see what I mean. Yeah. Have you had to learn that it's okay to talk about... Yes, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> and I mean, also, as I get older and older, I get more and more emotional. Yes, I had to learn that. I think the reality is, is some of the events that I went through at the end, uh, uh, while well, I was at university, and the last few years of my father's life, and events after that, and with our daughter and everything, um, changed that. But I think it, boys' boarding school, it there is a lot of having to put on a hard shell yeah. to survive. Yeah. I'm sure it's not just Eton. I think it's many yeah. other places. Yeah, it's just childhood, isn't it? Yeah. And part of growing out of childhood is learning to know yourself, to know who you are as God knows you, yeah. and to allow that to be visible. Um, one of them kind of linked to that was, could you share, I guess, something that was challenging about your formation as, as a priest when you were in training? Because a lot of people will say that that brings up things and is... Formation, one thing, there were a lot of things that were very challenging, formation of the priest. Learning to live with powerlessness and lack of responsibility, uh, not as a priest, but, you know, that sense that you can't just make things happen, uh, which is something we have to keep coming back to. Learning different traditions of prayer and suddenly finding that they were gold that I'd never discovered. Um, that was challenging but wonderful. Um, 
and learning that I didn't know anything at all really about most aspects of the life of the church. That was quite a challenge. And just finally, you were saying yesterday that you don't you don't worry about the numbers in the church and attendance. No, um, uh, I don't you... worry about it. I'm conscious of it, but yeah. I don't worry about it. If there was a priest reading the Church Times who does feel worried, so say somebody that doesn't particularly have a church they found easy to grow, what would your There's message... There's lots of people like that. Numbers are really important, but they are not the test of your holiness or your validity as a priest. They're important because our job is to lead people to faith in Christ. But you look at so many stories of missions and history where people saw very little in their lifetime, but they laid roots that, that transformed the church over the years. You were saying in Nigeria recently, I think, that you have um, many politicians in your family tree. Yeah. And I wondered if you would kind of agree that there is kind of something of the politician in you and maybe in a different life that would have been a path that you would have liked to have taken kind of following the family tradition of serving in that way yes i think i mean the church is by its nature full of different groups with different to some extent competing priorities mm -hmm. although with a very similar or united vision for what they want to do and politics is not about the maneuvering for power at its best politics mm. is about finding ways of enabling things to get done and enabling people to come to a common vision which if it's done well will not always be your own vision but your own vision will need to adapt mm. And in that sense, all dealing with groups of people has an element of politics in it for all within the group. But in the good sense, in the sort of classical Greek sense of, mm -hmm. of the service of the polis. Yeah. Um, so to that extent, there's an element of the political. But I don't think political in the sense of Machiavellian manoeuvring, um, no. Do you, th do you think Westminster would have appealed or be a constituency MP, something like that? Might have done. Um, just let that traffic go by. Um, it might have done, I just don't know. Yeah. Um, I think you have to have very high qualities of determination mm -hmm. and energy to be a successful Westminster politician. Yeah. I mean, they are. And you have to be so quick and so able. I mean, you know, it's not easy. No, no. Um, just to draw back, you were talking about during formation, learning prayers which you weren't familiar with and which became really important. Could you say a bit more about what, um, sort of precisely which tradition or which ones that you discovered that were important? Well, I mean, obviously, it's from the sort of charismatic evangelical tradition, um, intercessionary extempore prayer was very central to the tradition, often based out of or springing from the study of scripture, um, usually in fact. I think the discovery of different ways of meditating on scripture, the Ignatian, Ignatian or, uh, tradition, the Lexio Divina, the, and then uh, silence and adoration and contemplation 
um, adding them, not losing, but just finding the different ways in which one can be with God in prayer and find that you are changed, the vision, vision is shaped. Um, all these different traditions are, are equally important. And just the final one, when, while we were in um, Zambia, obviously, the interview with Charles Moore um, came out. Uh, yes. And it felt like the reaction was very positive and people appreciated you being so honest and also talking about your identity, not, you know, not being in your genes. And I just wondered if kind of privately you'd had correspondence from people who'd been encouraged by that, maybe who'd found themselves in a yes, similar... Yes, and I still yeah. do. Mm-mm. Someone last week in Chile really? said, oh, I, you know, we talked about the fact they'd discovered exactly the same thing. Wow. And uh, they said, you know, and it, 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 obviously it was helpful. So hmm. I'm really grateful for that. It goes back to the thing, God, God can take things that are good or not good hmm. and all comes within redemption. Everything is redeemed. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Church Times podcast. You can find more news, analysis, comment and book reviews on our website, churchtimes.co.uk. If you are not yet a subscriber to the Church Times, you can try your first 10 issues for just £10. You'll get the paper delivered to your door every Friday, plus full access to our website and digital archive. Go to churchtimes.co.uk forward slash subscribe to find out more. The music for this podcast was provided by Sought After Sounds. Tune in next Friday for the next episode.